I'm honored to be able to speak today. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I, I enjoy every time I get to um, humbly bring the word of the Lord. Um, it's just so good to be in his presence. Amen. And to be with the saints. And so today we're going to talk about, we're going to continue this conversation of being counterformed. Um, it is a model of Jesus. We're trying to follow the, the image and the model of Jesus to be formed into his likeness. This is what our desire is as followers of Jesus. We want to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. The problem is, if you're like me, I get in the way, right? And the truth is, is that um, we all get in our own way and the culture that we're a part of actually informs who we are. And, and if we're truthful, community forms our identity, right? Community forms our, our identity. We're watching the Olympics with my, my family and my daughters already are just passionate about cheering for Canada. Every time they come on, they're jumping around. Uh, they won a couple medals and they're like losing their mind. We watch it on replay and they think it's live again and they start dancing around again. They're, they're three, five, and seven. So it's like perfect. And so we've, we've been in this series for two weeks and Pastor Brenda last week talked about prayer and how important it is. And how actually when we're in prayer, we realize often that our selfishness needs to be formed by God. Because the way we pray expose it. Maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. But the way I pray is often about that person that needs to know the message that was on Sunday so they can change. And the Lord says, really? Right? And so prayer, when we are with the Lord, it forms us into his likeness. Likewise, Andrew talked about two weeks ago that we should be in and under the word. Culturally, we say we need to come to the word and it, it needs to adapt to us. No. Biblically, as a church, as Christians, we need to come to the word and allow it to inform us. So we are placed under the word and it forms us into the likeness of Christ. We can't come to it and say, I'm coming as a Canadian in this, in this century and it's gonna, it's gonna do what I want it to do because it just doesn't make sense otherwise. No, 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 no. We must come to it and allow it to inform us. Yes, we have cars, so it's a little bit different than horses. But we actually come to it and it dictates how we live our lives. Amen? That's not always easy. I do get that. Sometimes people are like, well, I just feel like the Bible's offensive. I go, hi, I agree. And, and my wife often says stuff like this to me. Um, humbly, she often says, well, maybe something in you needs to die, right? Uh, and, and that's true. There's something in us that often needs to die so that we can be formed into the likeness of Christ. And so those were the two weeks. And this week, what we're gonna talk about is the, the spiritual discipline and you'll be hard, it'll be hard for you to find this in a spiritual disciplines book or textbook. Um, community. How the spiritual discipline of community will form you. But let's, let's, let's go past the fact that I use the word spiritual disciplines. And let's just talk about community. We are all formed by community, right? 
Like it's very easy. I grew up in the 90s and the late 2000s or early 2000s. Um, and it was very easy in the late 90s to know exactly what music you listened to because that's how you dressed. It was almost so easy to know exactly what group you were in because it was very clear. But this is true of all of us, right? My daughter was driving here and she goes, Dad, if I was born in Brazil, would I speak that language? I said, yeah, yeah, you would. She said, oh, because if you're born, you're born knowing the language? I said, no, babe. Because of the community you're part of, you actually learn the language because they speak it to you. She says, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn, what's the language they speak in Brazil? She said to me, and I said, Portuguese. She said, yeah, I'm going to learn Portuguese later. And I was like, cool. <laughs> me too. Later. But it's true that the, the community forms us, right? Like, let's really think about this, right? Um, I went to Florida for a couple years, five years. And they, uh, they love just pinpointing something that Canadians do, eh? Right? They love it. Every time I said it, they're like, ha you guys actually do it. I'm like, yeah, you say rough. But you're not talking about a dog. You're talking about the roof. Like, <laughs> anyways. Right? And then they, they give us a really hard time. They couldn't comprehend, possibly, why we would have milk in a bag. <laughs> They're like, you do what? Like a plastic bag? I'm like, no, no, no. We have these bags. Like, you get two liters and then they're split up into three. Why would they? Anyways. And then we cut them. They're like, you cut the bag? Where does the water go? We're like, well, we put it in a little jug thing. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, it stays open in the fridge the whole time? I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's gross. <laughs> we should definitely have jugs like you guys. That's so much better. That was weird. And then they love their, their tea, right? The first time I went down there, they're like, you want some iced tea? I'm like, yeah, I do. I love Nestle iced tea. And I didn't say that, though. I just said, yeah, I love iced tea. This was unsweetened tea. They just boil water and put tea bags in it. And then they give it to you and say it's iced tea. That's not, I mean, technically, yes, that's the definition of iced tea, but that's gross. Like I grew up with English parents. Like you, that, that's somehow like, that's blasphemy. <laughs> like tea's hot. And then iced tea is just some sort of sugary drink. But they also have that called sweet tea, which is disgusting. My wife loves it, but it's terrible. But we are honestly formed by our community. My, my friend went on a missions trip. Um, I can't remember where he went. He was, he was like 20, I think, and uh, leading the team. And, and the pastor went for a walk with him. And literally, he went to just hold his hand. I guess in the community, like holding hands was not that strange. But he said, dude, I didn't even mean to but I jumped like two miles and pulled my hand. And he's like, the guy felt like, he, he's like, it looks so awkward. So I just went and grabbed his hand and we went for a walk together. I was like, wow, we should try that. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. But the community we have forms us, right? Like think about your life, where you've come from. You know, do you come from Dutch background? Do you come from English background, German you know, they're all pretty similar. But we are, we are formed by the community we're part of. And my favorite story 
We, when I was a pastor, my first pastorate was in a, a community inner city um, of Toronto. And it was just a great five years of my life. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was a ton of fun. The, the students were really gracious. And we would team up with this other church, this, this Spanish church that let us rent their building. And we would, have, we would have a youth service every now and then together. And they were wild. They would just have these moments. They would call it crazy praise time. And then they would run around the room and jump around. And we would be, and we're all, you know, Torontonians. We're, we're like... That's our crazy praise. <laughs> and they're running around the room. And then they said, you know what? We have another church here. We're joining together. Go ahead and greet each other. Pre-COVID, so that was normal. And they were like, so they're going around. And what do, you know, Spanish communities do? Well, we shake hands, but they hug. And they do this little, like, thing, Right? Oh man, we had this one student. He was, he, oh man, I love him. He's so great. I think he's like 25 now or something crazy, but he thought he had hit the jackpot, man. I can still see it in my mind's eye. He's like in the middle of this place and this pretty girl comes to him. <laughs> it's so good. It was like slow motion, like an accident, but it was just the hilarious. Mortifying for him, but... Great for me. And he goes, so she, she does the normal, which is just, she goes in and you can see it on his face. Like this was like slow motion. You can see it on his face. He's like, oh, is this happening? Like in, ch in church? So what the normal response is, you tilt, your, you tilt your cheek and then you kiss beside it, right? Or they taught me. Um, well, he thought, hey, I'm gonna go for this. This is my moment. I'm going to take it. This is my shot. No word of a lie. He goes like this. <laughs> and she goes like, she responds to him and goes, like mortified. Her face is mortified. Then his face is embarrassed. It was a great disaster. I was like, and then I just, I never let him live that down. It was great. <laughs> it's so good. But the culture we live in, right? The community we're a part of forms us, how we live our lives, everything about us. And I think that Jesus knew this. And so he wanted to invite us into his community, which is his church. And so let's go ahead and turn with me. It'll be on the screen as well, I believe. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. Paul's writing to this church. And man, if you ever feel like our church is not our church, but the Canadian church, the North American church, the Western church is really lost. We're in good company because Corinth was insane. It was insane. And so Paul is writing this and it's very applicable to us. And so it's, he wrote this. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one as also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. This is, a, this is an amazing moment. Here's the big idea of this message, okay? Christ created us to be formed by community. His desire is that it will be his community, the church. 
Okay, here's the real issue with whatever happens in church, the biggest problems with God's people, okay? It's this, that we often want to be like the world around us, right? This is literally throughout the ages as God's people want to be like those around them. So look at this. Um, Exodus happens, right? Israel comes out of Egypt. God frees them. They're at the mountain. And, and Moses is on the mountain and they thought he forgot them. He's literally meeting with God and they're like, oh, what should we do? We should be like Egypt. Let's make our own God. What? Have you ever read the Bible and go, what? That's okay. They probably watch us and go, what? You have the spirit of God living in you and you do that? Right? Like, and so it's just mutual. We're like, what? Why would you doubt God? You just walked through the Red Sea. You just watched what he did. But we want to be like the, the communities around us. Watch it again. We go promised land. They move into Canaan. God says, eradicate all the people. Don't keep them. They're going to mislead you when you live among them. What do they do? Well, you have a good idea. I have a better idea. We often do that, right? God has a good idea. I have a better idea. I'll follow mine and we'll do yours kind of, right? And what happens is they actually take those people, make them slaves because it would be better to make them do things that I don't want to do. They can farm our land. Problem is they're forever, while in the promised land, influenced by those cultures, Again, we see the kings. What do they want? They have the king of kings. They have the creator of heaven as their king. And they say, nah, we want to be like these guys. They have dudes that lead them. That would be amazing. Let's do that. And what does it do? It actually misleads them from the purposes of God in their lives. Watch, go, go to the Old Testament. Read the story. Every time they look at the culture, want to be like the culture, the culture then misleads them. They adapt the culture. They walk away from the Lord. Again, we see that in Solomon. Solomon has 700 wives. Oh my. That's a bad idea, dude. And you see his choice of doing what the other kings do, which is making allegiances with other kingdoms through marriage, misleads him, and it says by the end of his life that he walked away from the Lord because he did what the other cultures did. But now we have a new covenant, Jesus. So we're not gonna do that anymore. Wrong, every epistle is pretty much, you're trying to be like the world around us, but we've come 2,000 years and we're much better than that now, right church? No, we aren't. We often want to be like the world around us. And so the problem is, is that we often want to be the community around us, not his community. And so today I want to talk about five myths, five misconceptions of church. So if you're taking note, write down five misconceptions of truth, of, of, of the community, the church, sorry. First one is this, I come to church. No, you are the church. See, for our English, we have a really hard time with the word church because we use it as an event. One pastor said this, talking about 
church as an event frees us to attend occasionally rather than integrating our faith into all of our life experience. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18. He spoke about it not as a building or an event, but he spoke about it to a person about a movement and about the church. I tell you the truth that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus' community is not about this building, right? It's not about coming to an event. It's actually about each one of us. But that leads us to the question, what is the church then? Or how do I, how do I become part of the church? So if it's not what happens here, if it's not these four, whatever shape this is, my daughter was in here and she's in the sec- second grade and she's like, what shape is this, dad? And I'm like, uh, non-existent shape. Don't learn from this, <laughs> Right? The four walls of this building, the event that is held here is not the church. The church is the community, but how do we become the part of the community? Because that's a really important thing. Is it three times a month? So if we come here three times a month, we're part of it. Oh, okay. Um, If you tithe, yes. Now, if you send in just a simple amount, the response from us is that you will be part of this church. Nope, that's not it. If you volunteer, that's it. If you volunteer, you'll be part of the church. Nope. That's not it. So how, what, what is it that beca- makes us a part of the church? Here, listen to this. Here's how we know that we are a part of the church. Scripture is clear that Christians are those who believe in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for their sins and eternal life. Paul writes it like this in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Look, this community that we're a part of is not about what you do. It's not about if you give the right amount of money or attend the right amount of time or read the right amount of readings. It's simply about if we are in Christ. Because listen, let's go back to the verse in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. He says this, for by one spirit, we were all baptized. This is not the water baptism that we know. He's talking about when you come to faith, you are baptized into the body of Christ. He's giving a picture. When you come to Christ, it is like this. You might be an individual before, but the moment you get saved, in the words of Paul, you become a a finger or an eye or a head or an elbow. The moment you make this decision. This is a beautiful moment for us. We need to understand that Christ didn't just die so that we were saved and that we would come alive. He actually died so that we could be a body working together. We've got this all backwards. We act like, hey, you know what church is? You come in, you sing some songs, and you hear a message. 
Wow, Jesus would be really sad about that. He didn't die for that type of church. Yes, that's part of it. We wanna proclaim the gospel. We wanna come in and sing like we did today about the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But if that's where it stays, we've missed it. We have been created to walk together, to carry each other's burdens. And he knew, he knew that we needed community and that community would form you and that we were designed for community. And so he invited us. He baptized us into the body of Christ. Number one, I come to church. No, no, no. The truth is, we are the church. Number two, I come to church to get right with God. Now, most of us who have been in church for a while would never say that. We would never say we come to church to be made right with God. But we do that. And if we're honest, we could do this with every single spiritual discipline that exists. Oh man, I really screwed up. I love how we call sin screw up. Oh, I made the wrong decision, really? That decision crucifies Christ. Like, that's not a wrong decision. That's sin. And Christ has made a way, but we, we have a way of just diminishing sin. And we talk about it, and we say, okay, man, uh, what should I do? Okay, I'm gonna start a new reading plan. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna get myself right so that then I can come to Jesus. We act like Jesus is Amish and that he puts a shun on us for a little bit. And he's like, I'm going to shun you for a certain amount because you've offended me and your rightness with me is broken. So depending on what you do, shun on. No, you're, you're in timeout right now. Hold on. Okay, what do you need? But that's what we act like. But that's not the truth. We don't go to church to be right with God. We don't read our Bible to be right with God. We don't pray to be right with God. Jesus is our righteousness. Watch this, turn with me. Romans 5, 8 through 11. This is a scripture that should absolutely change the way we look at our lives. Should change the way we see ourselves, should change the way we see Christ. We need the revelation of God to open our eyes to the truth of his scripture because it should absolutely change us. It says this, but here is how God has shown his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The blood of Christ has made us right with God. So we are even more sure that Jesus will save us from God's anger. Once we were God's enemies, hear that? There was a time in your life that you should have felt like the enemy of God because we were. But it says here, but we have been brought back to him because his son has died for us. Now that God has, has brought us back, we are even more secure. We know that we will be saved because Jesus lives. And that is not all. For we are full of joy in God because our Lord Jesus Christ because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of him, God has brought us back to himself. How beautiful is this? How beautiful of this scripture that actually says, your rightness with God is not based on your actions. Here's what we do as Christians. Man, 
I realize that I come to Christ as a sinner. That I can do nothing except accept the gift that has been given to me. And that gift, I've done nothing for. Jesus did it all. He went to the grave. He left heaven. He lived a perfect life. He was then betrayed, condemned, dead, on a cross, in a grave. He rose again. And I have done nothing to deserve the freedom that he has given me. But I have received it. Now that I've received it, now it's my job to keep it. That's what we act like. So you better be on reading plan if you want to be right with your dad because your dad is serious about reading plan. Oh, and you better be praying for an hour in the morning because God's going to be mad at you and probably smite you if you don't. Oh, and you better attend church and you better be part of a life group and you don't volunteer. Whoo, shun's coming. The shun is coming and it's going to be vicious. Sounds ridiculous when it's said like that, but that's how we live our lives. We need to understand that our righteousness is based on Christ and him alone. It's not based on what we do. So should we not do those type of things? Of course not. We are invited from that right place to then go and be in relationship with God. Our prayer isn't about trying to make him happy with us. He is happy with us. Another translation says he calls us friend. He's, Jesus has made us friends with God. This is crazy. Think about it with me. What if I have three girls? What if every interaction with them was based on them going, I hope he likes me. I hope he loves me. I'll do this today to make him love me. That would make me very sad as the father. Likewise, Jesus has made a way for us to be in right relationship with the Father. And from that place, we get to do intimate things with the Father. We get to pray and have closeness with him. We get to come to the word. And though we were dead to the word before, we are now alive to it. We can read something and the illumination of the Holy Spirit brings it to us, even though before we, didn't, we weren't aware. Amen? Number three, this one's great. I don't need anyone. Anybody been in that place? I call it, instead of the Jesus model, I call it the John on the Isle of Patmos model. He's all alone, he's got nobody. So I'm gonna follow John. I'm gonna be alone. I can do this faith thing alone. I can do life alone. This isn't just for Christians, this is everybody, right? And we've all been in a season in our lives where we're like, oh, I'm just gonna do this alone. I remember being out of college and I just, I took graduating really hard. I should have been excited, I think, but um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of lost and, and I just like pushed everybody away. They would call me and I would just be like, nah, I'm good. I don't need you. And then I would be, and they would message me and I would be like, ah, I'm good. And then they stopped messaging me and I was like, why aren't they calling me? Fine, I don't need you. Anyone else do that? Anyone else do that? We act like we can do it all alone. And then when nobody comes to us, we're like, why do I have to do this alone? <laughs> right? Well, it's actually not in our design as humans to do things alone. Go to, go to Genesis 2, 18. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a help, a helpmate 
suitable for him. Now, just in case uh, we misunderstand the, the word helpmate, uh, often in the Old Testament, uh, God uses the word helpmate to communicate himself as well. So it's not a diminishment. Sometimes um, it comes across like chauvinistic. Um, it's not. Actually, God has incredible um, design for man and woman. And, and he's designed that. Um, and so he does this. He says, um, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, obviously he's defining marriage. One man, one woman, one lifetime. That's what he's doing. He's defining it right at creation. It's, it's, it's there. But what he's also doing is saying this. Humanity is made for community. It's not good for anyone to be alone. You shouldn't be alone. You need to be in relationship with others. And that's true, right? We all need to be in relationship. Let's look at the example of, of Jesus, Matthew 4. He chooses to be with disciples. Does he get anything from those disciples? No, they're really bad. They're super bad at their job. Like I would have fired them for sure. Now, if I was them, I would have been fired as well because I'm terrible. But like the point is Jesus is showing us that we are, we are in need of relationship. And what does he do when he's in his deepest time of need? He goes to pray and what does he do? Do it alone? He often did pray, pray alone. Pastor Renda showed us that. But in that moment, what did he do? He actually brought them with him. They disappointed him, let him down. <laughs> but they, he needed them. And so we need each other. We need to be in relationship with the other, each other. We've been created to be in relationship. And here's three things that I believe God has put in every human being and we all desire, regardless if, if we follow God or not. Love, acceptance, and purpose. We all desire that. We all desire to have purpose. We all desire to be accepted, to be loved. And so I want you to see that there, in the family of God, this is actually given to us from God and from our community, should be. So God, John 3, 16, for his love for us, he sent his son, right? Because he loved us. While we were still sinners, his love for us took him to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? You are loved. Here's the crazy thing. You are loved by the creator of heaven and earth. This is wild. We are loved by the creator of heaven and earth. You feel worthless. Well, guess what? Worth comes from the value of those who love you. Well, he's pretty valuable, right? He loves you. Not because of what you've done, because he is love. Number two, acceptance. God accepts us, not as we are. We need to be careful that it's not just like, come and just stay. No, no, it's a transformative acceptance. Come and I will form you into my likeness. And he gives us purpose. Uh, John is, uh, Jesus is talking in John 10 about the sheep and how he's the, the shepherd and the wolves. And he says this, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Isn't it interesting? My model is way better than Jesus. I'm, jo I'm joking, tongue in cheek. Here's what I would say. Once you come to Jesus, boom, you're in heaven. Right? That's pretty good. And it's pretty good. It's pretty easy to sell people. Like, look, this person came to Jesus. How do you know? Well, they're gone. They were right here. I just prayed with them. Now they're, now they're in heaven. 
That's not his model. Why? Because he has purpose for us. He has purpose for us. So you're not purposeless. In Christ, you have purpose. And then he gives us this. Both of the, all three of these are found in the family of God. Turn with me quickly to John 13. And he says something that we've all heard if we've been in church for a short time. He says this, a new command I give you, love each other. Heard it, right? And then often we hear a message about how you should love your neighbor. Don't get me wrong. Jesus says that in another place, but he's not saying that here. What he says is this, keep going. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Who's he speaking to? The disciples. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The love, the transformative love of Jesus starts here, moves here, and moves out of us. So I'm not saying we shouldn't love. We're not a cult, <laughs> just to clear. We are Jesus followers. We love Jesus, primary love. But that love can't be contained. It spreads to his disciples, one to another, and it can't be contained here. It must bubble over out of us, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces. See, acceptance, John's, uh, we've done a poor job of this. James 2, 1 says this, don't show favoritism. I mean, that's pretty simple. I love, I love John's epistle, like it's just great because it's very simple. Don't show favoritism. We must accept people for who they are. Now, again, accept them, love them, but it's a transformative love and acceptance that Jesus brings. He says, come as you are, but don't stay. Be transformed by my love. Be transformed. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. I have made you alive to righteousness. What? How? How am I alive to righteousness? If you knew me and I listed all the things I've done wrong, I would not be a righteous person. But it's not based on what we've done. It's not based on your actions. It's based on Christ and him alone. It says, actually, you are no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness when in Christ Jesus. Oh. Man, that's good news. That's good news. We weren't created to be alone. We were invited to this community of believers to be accepted, to be transformed through. And then he says this, Romans 12, four through eight, it actually says that we've been created to be the body, that you and I have purpose within the body of Christ, just like the body has purpose within itself. They, we need each other. We shouldn't come to church and just be. That's not Jesus' model. We should come to church to serve like our king served when he was here. Each of us, Paul says this, Romans, each of us have a gift and we need that gift. We were not created to be alone. We were created to be in community. Hebrews 10.25 says, we should be together. Do not forsake the coming together. Number four, this one's, this one's so applicable to our day. My faith is about me and God. 
Individualism is a lie. I am so thankful for the Protestant Reformation that allowed us to have the word of God. We wouldn't have this like this without the great men of faith who led that Reformation. But then the Western understanding of individualism took hold and root in church. And we said this, me and God, this is about me. I come together to hear a message and that's kind of how I do church. That's not biblical. There's nowhere that you can see that that is individualistic. Our faith should be individualistic. Obviously, I have to make a decision for myself. You have to make a decision for yourself. But once, remember what he said, once you make that decision, what did he say? You are baptized into the body. You can't be taken out except for amputation. Amputation is not a nice part of living. <laughs> Amen? The truth is this, is that you are, when you believe in Christ, you are invited, baptized into this community, and this community needs to form your faith. Here's what I want you to know. Your faith matters to me. How you love Jesus impacts how I love Jesus. Your understanding impacts my understanding. And we should actually do that constantly. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen friends. And we should do that to each other. We should be encouraging each other to live out our faith. Think of this, okay? For those, those of us who are so influenced by the, the culture and believe our faith is about me, and God, not our community, and God. Jesus said we're a body. Jesus said we're the flock, John 10. Jesus said we're the family, Ephesians 2. All of those are about relationship. The body is dependent upon each other. You don't believe me, stub your toe. The flock we should be super insulted every time we read about the sheep because that is not a good comparison for us. He's not making us look good. He's like, you're a sheep. You're like, wait, they're useless. They can't even defend themselves. Alone, do we have that? Do you have the image? There you go. This, this sheep was six years alone. This is individualistic Christianity right here. This is, this is, the, best it, this is the best it becomes. Most of them dead. We were meant to be in relationship, yes, with Christ. My relationship with Christ. I must continuously invest in it. It's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility. But our responsibility is our faith as a community. We are invited into the flock. And the good news about being part of the flock, you don't have to have anything together. Jesus expects very little from you. <laughs> your belief and your obedience. And he does the rest. This is good news. This is good news because he has purpose for you and he has desires and plans for you that are beyond just a career, beyond just a marriage. They are his kingdom coming through you and in you and he wants to do great things through you in those people around you, and all you need to do is be obedient, and he's faithful to be there. This is good news.
The final one is this. I do church like I shop. Get a little bit from here. I'll take a shirt from here, pants from here, jacket from here, shoes from here. I'll do some online, maybe more online than I have before. Sometimes that's how we do church. Well, okay, okay. I go here because I really like their worship. Feeds me. But I come here to hear the word because the word here is truly preached. But they do groups so much better over here. So I do groups here. That's not a biblical model. Acts 2, 42 through 47 talks about community. Talks about us being together in community. Not going to all these different places because here's why. That's not wrong. If you want to do that, you, you and Jesus can work that out. But the model I see in the, in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament is about a local community that meet together and are rooted in Christ and grow together. Here's why. Because the truth is this. It's easy to hide when I move a lot. People don't have to know me. And if I'm honest, I personally am afraid of accountability. I had this great fight with my sister. Oh, it was great. I moved back from Bible college. Um, she was at home uh, doing her teacher thing. I think they work once or twice a year. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's a teacher. I get it. I love it. I, I wanted to be a gym teacher. I wasn't making that personal. Um, I was for her, but anyways. So she's a teacher, great gym teacher. Um, and so we had this throwdown fight. And I, I don't remember what the fight was over, probably something she did. Um, and then she goes, she goes, and she's smart as a whip. She's always been excellent at everything. And I should have known I couldn't have one-upped her, but I'm the youngest brother, so it's just how it does it. And I go, I go, you don't know me. Super good, right? Can you see your youngest doing that to you? Totally. And so, and so that's what I did, like, boom. I'm like, that ended, period, mic drop. I'm like, whew, I feel good. And she goes, whose fault is that? I was like, oh, you da dagger in my back. I'm like, oh. Middle sisters, worst, right? <laughs> um, but isn't that true for us sometimes in church? Sometimes we walk through things and we say, hey, how come nobody's here? We say, maybe, maybe you don't let them in to know your stuff. And so here's what we gotta do. We gotta do both, right? We have to be ready to serve. This is what the New Testament church did. They were ready to serve. But we also have to be vulnerable. And that is scary. Here's what a body can't do. A body can't hide its hurt from itself. Right? Once again, stub your toe and try to act like nothing happens. My three-year-old did it for the first time. It was so painful to watch her do it. She kicked her toe and it was like she got shot, right? Because that pain is like so fast and it hits you and you act like it's so much, so much pain, but it goes away quickly, right? That is what it's like. We need, we need to know each other's pain. We need to be vulnerable and open with each other. 
coming together once a week and just hearing a word, Jesus didn't die for that kind of church. Of course he did die for that kind of church, but that is not his full fulfillment of the desire for the bride of Christ or the body of Christ or the family of God. He died so that we would be in community with one another. That what we would be formed by is not our Canadian culture, but we would be formed by the culture of Christ within us. So here's what I want us to do in closing. Very simple. I'm gonna challenge you to do one thing this week, to step outside of your comfort zone and be part of the community of Christ. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a couple options what we're doing as the community. If you're here from another church, I challenge you, step into something that would make you into community to be part of the body. You can't just be part of the body showing up five minutes before service and exiting five minutes after. It doesn't produce growth, relationship, closeness, accountability, vulnerability. Those are things that produce the growth that God desires, the image of Christ in your life. And so here are the things. Tonight, we have a men's group, meets here at seven o'clock. We open the word, we pray together, we talk about what our lives are. We do not dive into the deep theological understandings of the deepest issues that go on. What we do is this, we share about life. We say, here's where I'm at, here's how the scripture applies, and here's how I need to live my life. I'm not against theological discussions, but I find sometimes we like to hide behind them, right? Number two, we have that prayer meeting on Monday. Fast with us, pray with us, come, be the body of Christ and pray together. Yes, super uncomfortable, but yes, super biblical to pray together. It's very Canadian of us to want to pray alone, not very church of us to want to pray alone. Number, I think I'm on three, I don't know. Uh, if you're a youth, we meet on Tuesday. It's super important for you guys at your age to be with like-minded believers who can help you walk out your faith, okay? Number four, we're having the Immerse Bible study. You don't have it, you don't know what we're doing, but you're not part of a community and you're not talking about your faith. Come to it anyways. It won't hurt for you to be a part of people who are talking about their faith. You can share some of the questions you have. Jump into the, the Bible reading plan. Make it one week, don't make it the other week. I, I just think it's so important that we're together, that we walk through this. Number four, we have a marriage night coming up on Friday. Look, I believed in Disney that, you know, you get married and it's happily ever after. And marriage can be work. And this two years of COVID, this isolation stuff is brutal. And so we need each other. And so if you can, sign up for it. Come on out. Let us be together and talk about what it means to follow Christ as we are married. We need, we need help with that. And I think that's all of it. Anything else I'm missing, Brenda? No, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus, for the lamb that was slain for our sins because we could never make a way. And Jesus, your beautiful plan that wasn't just to save us and then leave us, but actually bring us into the family of God, bring us into the community of God so that you would continue to work in and through each of us. And you want us to be integrated and close to each other like the body is. But we don't know how to do that. We're scared, we're hurt. 
We have lots of baggage. And so we need your Holy Spirit to lead us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you said you would send your spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. So lead us, Jesus. Lead us into what it means to be a true community, sharing with each other, carrying each other's burdens, and seeing your hand molding and shaping us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.